Other podcasts never keep their focus on their chosen subject matter. This week we're going to talk about this subject, but I want to talk about another subject that I'm going to talk about for three hours because that's what you don't want to hear and that's what we're going to be discussing. We always make sure we stay right on time. Hold on. Hold on. I'm doing a podcast. Hold on. TME Studios. It's what you want. This episode of The Shootout with Bill Blanchard is brought to you in part by... Looking for some merchandise from your favorite Livewire Wrestling star? The only place to get it is at Livewire Wrestling Spreadshirt Store at shoplivewire.ga. Here you'll find the largest selection of merchandise from your favorite Livewire Wrestling stars. And we are always adding new designs, so you'll always find something that fits and suits your taste. So head on over to shoplivewire.ga and get yours today. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by the guest on the shootout are not the views and opinions of TMB Studios, its management, or the host Bill Blanchard. They are strictly the views and opinions of the guest and the guest alone. If you are offended by any of these views and opinions, please stop listening now. It's time! What was the craziest thing you ever did in the ring that people said, oh my God, that boy is stupid? Put over Brandon Parker. What? <laughs> no, no. I mean, because we did some pretty weird shit over there. I mean, me and me and Devin Wright at one point had a buff bitch match. Whatever, dude. A buff bitch match? Damn. And he looked like the big guy off of Captain America. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> that's that's just that shocked the fuck out of me. How one guy who's just asking straight up questions to people, and straight up answers, is getting more hits than some that brings a lot of people back to their childhood. And, I mean, this is kind of funny. I appreciate that. You ready? Oh yeah. <laughs> Chris Dickens. <laughs> Do we really have to go there? You know, I heard Vince's comment one night. He said, hey, even God himself has, has a sense of humor. You know? I mean, wow. Had to create a Christopher Dwayne Dickens. <laughs> oh, God. How many ring racks? How many ring racks did you have backstage? There were rumors about... How many ring racks wanted to get some... Dirt? Wait, 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 what? Yeah, how many ring racks you actually had some Ring dirt? rats? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Chris, HK was not care what ring rats are. Oh, the one even Wolf Call would turn down. Dale Cheryl. <laughs> Damn. If I hit another zinger right out the park. Wow. Uh, wow. Don't forget, well, we have know, to put six over in the main event because he's the top guy. And, um, yeah. Well, Hogan must pose, you know what I mean? Hogan must pose. Damn it, Bruce. I feel like going to the Cheeto show and Patriots Park. I was like pissing on the grave. That one for us. The shootout with Bill Blanchard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Wrestling Shootout. Hey, I'm your host, Survivor Fan Bill Blanchard, and I'm fired up this week. We got a brand new season starting things off. Our winter season, if you would, or WrestleMania season. That depends on how you look at it, I guess. 
We're coming fresh off of the Royal Rumble. Congratulations to the return of Edge. When the Royal Rumble did one thing, only a couple other men can honestly say, coming in at number one and lasting all the way. And talk about a dramatic finish just when you think you won it, just when you think you lost it, turned right around and freaking took it. Again, congratulations to Edge. I definitely didn't see it happen. And I like that about wrestling because nowadays it got so damn freaking predictable. You know, if you follow the business like, you know, like most of us all do, you can practically guarantee, you can practically guess who's probably going to win and be right about 100% of the time. But hey, once again, man, congratulations to Edge and his road to WrestleMania. Talk about a long road of recovery since his injury when it happened years ago, cracking his neck and everything. Well, then again, congratulations to him. On the other wrestling news, we got March the 6th coming up. Livewire Pro Wrestling at the Augusta, Georgia American Legion, right next to Lake Armstead, downtown Augusta. Please get your tickets right now. It's going to be a big, big live event. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to be there. Gosh, don't miss this wrestling show. If you don't, you'll be, you'll be missing history. That being said, we've got some other wrestling promotions with intense wrestling entertainment. It's kind of crazy right now. We've heard of the Monday Night Wars. We've heard of the Independent Wrestling Wars. Right now, I'm calling this the American Legion Wars. Who has the best wrestling promotion at the American Legion in Augusta, Georgia? Is it Timothy Blackman's IWE or is it Billy Johnson, Ryan Reigns of Livewire Wrestling? I don't know, man. I got to tell you what. I really do like what I see with Livewire Professional Wrestling. They're keeping it real and they're keeping it cool. And I'm a big sponsor of it, man. And uh, I, I, I push them. I push them. I'm promoting them. And let's get things going right now. Last month, we had we had Blake on the show. Blake had a lot to talk about of everything going on current, which brings me to my next guest because I got some current questions for him. I'm going to get his thoughts on what's currently going on in the India wrestling. And we're going to dive back to a little bit of AWF history of the Adrenaline Wrestling Foundation. This man was the owner, one of the creators. He's also the owner and creator of TMB Production, TMB Studios, or right now we're just calling it TMB. Hell, I'm going to call it TMB Entertainment. Hell, I love it because what we're doing, right? We're here entertaining you, the great wrestling fans of the CSRA. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome this month's guest. He is the former AWF wrestling heavyweight champion, the former owner and CEO of AWF, AWFX, DCW, and he was the former production manager of United Championship Wrestling. And he was there assisting Flatline Pro Wrestling before they closed the doors. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, the fighter to the end and the return of Chris Dickens on the shootout. Chris, how's it going, man? Welcome back on the show. Wow. Uh, how do you <laughs> come off of an introduction like that? <laughs> uh, man, it's been a minute. Um, God, when was the last time I was on? Uh, uh, sometime at the beginning of... Uh, Right before the big, big steel cage match took place, he was on the shootout, and you were there that night. You were there that night. Listen to everything Jeremy Cruz had to say. But it's like a one-on-one episode. We did do a bonus episode that played back way back in the archives. You were there in September. And I tell you what, you had an awful lot to say. Very, very funny. Matter of fact, it's probably one of my favorite episodes called, He's Not Trained! <laughs> yeah. That should be that. We should get a shirt made, man. I, I'm telling you, that should be your new gimmick. He's not trained, Chris Dickens. Oh, I'm sorry. He's not trained, Chris Dickens. 
Welcome to the show, man. <laughs> that shirt would probably sell like crazy, uh, to I'm be honest. <laughs> so, um, uh, what was the other one I said? Um, he was, uh, oh, yeah, that was right. I, we were talking about uh, Night Stalker Don Brown and uh, him being the CEO, which stands for Can't Effectively Operate. I remember that, too. <laughs> that maybe that could be a shirt. Uh, if you're the CEO of anything and, and it, you suck, and you can't effectively operate the, uh, what you're running. Uh, but, no, um, you know, all fun and games and jokes aside, it uh, feels good to be back on the shootout on uh, one-on-one and uh, to actually be talking about some professional wrestling and, and it's, it's like a little history. And I'm fired up for this, man. Uh, like you said, new season. Uh, we're on the road to WrestleMania. You had mentioned Edge winning the Royal Rumble, which was, um, again, as you put, a surprise. No one ever saw that coming. You always expect uh, someone like uh, a Roman Reigns or, you know, maybe even a Kevin Owens to win the Rumble. You don't expect someone like Edge, who retired almost, it's been almost a decade now since he retired from uh, in-ring competition because of the neck injury he had. He made a comeback last year at the Royal Rumble, and a lot of that thunder was stolen because of the COVID uh, pandemic. But to have him come back now a year later, win the Royal Rumble, and now he's on his way to WrestleMania to go after the championship that he never lost is an incredible story in amongst itself. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens with that. Without a doubt, man, I can't, I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. Um, what did you think about the emotional reunion between Edge and Christian in the same ring as well? Because that had a lot of emotion too. Because Christian's been out for a while as well, you know. So it was a big return for him as well, you know. And, and I know some people, you know, kind of felt like Christian is stuck in Edge's shadow and he never got his just due. And and if there is some truth to that, you no, know, but Christian. You know, it's been a phenomenal performer, in my opinion, but I'm glad. I like the differences between the Hardy Boys, in my opinion. My opinion, you know, it just didn't like Jeff really overshadowed Matt. Matt never couldn't have seemed to get to that level of Jeff Hardy. And But uh, I don't know. I'm a Matt Hardy fan, so I, it, 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 it's hard to say. But when it comes to Christian and everything, Edge really embraced him. And I got goosebumps, and matter of fact, shed a couple of tears myself because you know, those guys are up and down the road in this wrestling business. So imagine everything they've seen and witnessed. You know, they had that kind of emotion of a reunion in the Rumble itself. It was awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. At one point, I kind of wondered when Christian turned on it. I was thinking when Christian, by the time Christian made it to the ring, bro, to me it felt like Christian was going to turn on Edge and eliminate Edge. And we might possibly could have seen Edge and Christian at WrestleMania. I was thinking that's what was going to happen, but instead the exact opposite happened. And it, it was just a great moment in wrestling, man. So what were your thoughts on that? Um, I didn't expect Christian to be in the Rumble. Uh, the last time I saw Christian in the ring was uh, with Randy Orton. Um, and that was earlier within the last year, right after, you know, Edge made his return and, um, you know, Randy Orton did the unthankful, took him out uh, right before WrestleMania. Um, but to see Christian return to in-ring action and to see him embrace and to know, you know, the highs and the lows that both of them went through uh, in their careers. I mean, Christian, he left WWE uh, at the time of Edge's, uh, you know, 
highest moment. This is when Edge was facing off against John Cena for the WWE Championship uh, when Christian left and went to TNA and became the NWA World Champion and also, you know, Christian, uh, not to coin a phrase or to uh, make a pun, but Christian uh, New Era, so to speak, um, and, you know, the TNA World Heavyweight Championship was born at that point. Um, and he rode that mountain pretty high for a long time. But when he returned back to WWE, I think the highest championship he received in that final run he had was the ECW Championship. And I don't think, you know, Christian got his just dues in WWE, and he still has uh, a lot left in his tank. Uh, the same with Edge. Edge didn't want to leave out when he when he had to. So for both of them to return at the same time, the same rumble, and kind of like relight the fires underneath their uh, uh, their careers, so to speak, um, it speaks volumes to come back at this point in time, at this point in their lives, and and make that that last run, I guess, just so to say. Uh, is uh, something of uh, miraculous at the same time, almost like a Cinderella story, if you will. Um, they get the opportunity to do more and to not leave their legacy in the realms of the tag division. Now, granted, they were one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Let's just say facts. Uh, you wouldn't have TLC matches if it wasn't for the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian. Um, you wouldn't have you definitely wouldn't have this comedic aspect of um, the New Day or, or even, you know, the bar was comedic. Uh, you wouldn't have that comedic aspect if it wasn't for Edgy Christian playing kazoos and uh, giving their five-second pose. So, not to Actually, say that... Well, they didn't to be Loved it. Do what? But, let's just say that, you know... They did phenomenal in the tag division. Uh, and Edge had a tremendous career as WWE champion. Some of his greatest moments were as WWE champion. But it was cut short with him. And now he's come back to rewrite that ending and go out on his own terms. And it's the same with Christian. Christian left uh, basically on his own accord, but it wasn't on too much of a high note. It was more of, you know, I'm just done for now. Now he gets to come back and, you know, rewrite his final chapter, so to speak. It's something that a lot of people dream about, but never really have the um, tenacity to go back and do. And I can speak volumes on that myself. Uh, and I know we're going to be touching on, you know, some AWF history, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say it just like this. Uh, there are moments where I sit back and I look back at my career in wrestling and have a lot of what-if factors and a lot of, uh, you know, what would I have done differently? How would I have done this? What would have been my final chapter? And I never got to really write out my final chapter, um, so to speak. My last ever wrestling match in general where I was in the ring um, was robbed from me uh, in a way. Um, my last act as anything of a, you know, a power play person uh, in a role of power was with UCW, and I went out on my back 
Uh, granted, that was okay with me to be taken out by the guy who trained me, Timothy Blackman. Um, but then, you know, of course, there's the sour grapes at that. And I sit and I look at my career and I look at things that I've done. And, and I always, what if? Um, do I have the tenacity to go do it? You know, if ever given the point where I sit back and look at it long enough and, you know, that drive returns and that will return, I would go back and find a way to rewrite the history. But uh, um, unlike Edge and Christian, who now have that opportunity, uh, they have this chance to seize that moment, to seize that brass ring, to seize that moment in time and say, I'm, I'm not done. I'm not going to take what I left and leave it at that. I'm going to go back and rewrite my ending. And that's what they get to do. And I envy them for that. I do. I envy them for the fact that they get to rewrite their ending. They get to uh, add to the history of their legacy. Um, it's something I would really honestly would love to do uh, if, if I ever did have the opportunity. But it would be a long road for me to ever get that chance. And it was a long road for them. So um, in a way, I guess, because I'm, I'm blabbering on about it, but in a way, I guess I'm envious of them, and also I, I look at them as a as a means of a drive uh, uh, to reach a goal. So. Well, Christopher, no, 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 no. You good? You t you talk about the end of your career, and yeah. we know what went down with UCW, and we know how it went down. We spoke before on past episodes. The situation that happened with Dead Reckoning. I know you've been on Stovall's podcast. You talked about that you got injured by two greenhorns. One of the participants on Dead Reckoning listened to that show. And he listened to that part of the podcast and immediately he turned it off. He didn't want to hear no more and went outside, threw a bunch of shit, pissed the freak off. And, you know, it's almost like even to this day, you know, he still feels like in his mind, it's hard. He did nothing wrong in that match. You know, me and him is arguing and arguing. And, of course, we're talking about, you know, Mask Fury, although he didn't, didn't he didn't wear a mask. Um, yeah. To this day, yeah, to this, to this, to this day, he still feels like he did nothing wrong in that match and he did not end your career. What are your comments on that? You've had some time over a period of almost six and a half years to let that sink in, even to this point today. I mean, if you guys have had to have a conversation about it on a personal and private note, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it took him uh, four years to even apologize for giving me the concussion. You know, in his eyes, he didn't do anything wrong other than he was trying to protect the belt. And, you know, my eyes, and as he said to CJ and, and a few other people in the back, he wasn't going to be embarrassed by another promoter who's out there watching. He didn't want to get embarrassed because, he was trying to be make it big another promotion, you know. So he, we had to suffer at his expense. And me and you, not knowing that, I think if me and you had that information going into that match, then yeah, me and you would have went out there to put a whipping on him. But no, me and you were going out there just to try to have a good match and just to have a little bit of fun, you know. Last show of the year, and me and you both walked out severely injured for real in that match. And it's almost like him and another person, not 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 Night Stalker, but. You know, Shadow Alan Luke would kind of defend the situation, trying to say it was all, was all mine, your fault, and 
You know, I, I'm kind of curious, man. What are your thoughts on this? Because you've had time to really dissect it and talk about you reflecting your career. Wonder if you ever come back and maybe try to rewrite your history, rewrite the ending of your ending of your chapter or book, if, if you would. You know, let's dissect this a little bit here. If you were to come back, would you want to go after Dead Reckoning? Would you want another run at Christian Fury to let him know exactly who you are? Or do you feel like he's unsafe to work with? He's a greenhorn. He took it upon himself to end you. Um, when it comes to that, I, I I don't look anymore to the point of, okay, you, I don't look at them as greenhorns as much. Um, I say greenhorn in the sense of that notion because at that time, yeah, he had the knowledge of the business but at the same time, you're trying to protect a belt that meant what to your career. Uh, for a guy who meant what to the wrestling business at that time, means what to the business now. Um, but that was that was then. Uh, nowadays, I look at it as was was I robbed of my? Was we robbed of our? Uh, you know, our ending chapters. Were we robbed of our, our careers um, at the time? Yes. Would I want to face Dead Reckoning uh, for that very notion? Uh, no. And there's a reason for that. Um, given this strictly to the fact that if, let's just say, we had the opportunity to rewrite our chapters, and we went back into the wrestling business and we were going in as a tag team. And we had this opportunity. Why step backwards? Why would we want to, and, and it's no offense to Night Stalker, no offense to Christian Fury in any way, shape, or form. That mask, Fury, he didn't wear a mask. Okay, no, 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 no offense to any of them, no offense to the gimmicks, the people, whatever. But why would I why would I want to hop on a ladder and climb down? So you wouldn't look at the chance at redemption to redeem yourself? If I want to redeem myself, I would want to look for the best of the best to prove that I'm better than them. I would go for uh the rung above them. I would look at who's the better tag team than Dead Reckoning. Because in order to redeem yourself in that notion, if you go against Dead Reckoning and you beat them, then what? Why not go up against the tag team that's better than them, beat them, become the top dogs, and have Dead Reckoning chase you? It's an interesting way of looking at it. I look at it as an opportunity. I can't go forward unless I conquer this mountain. I can't go to the next mountain unless I conquer this one first. There's, I mean, it's, there's, there's been a lot of rumors circulating. I've spoken to promoters. You know, I've spoken to him. Survivor Pain versus Cushion Fury will happen in 2021. And I do plan to redeem myself from what happened to me that particular night. That's just something that 
that's a demon I got to overcome. That's an obstacle I've got to overcome. That's just how I look at it. Right. I can't go forward. I'm not going to go around. I'm not going to take a detour sign to go around it to get my destination because, you know, I want to conquer that beast. And after to defeat him, then I'm going after J.C. Walker. And nothing personal against J.C. Walker. It's just I was down on myself in the performance that I had the last time I was in the ring one-on-one with him in March of 2019. So for me, this is this is I'm on a road to recovery, man. I'm on a road to redemption. I don't have a chance to really talk to you about this, but I've been on a road to redemption. I've been in the gym. I'm hitting the weights. I got myself back in MMA, mixed martial arts. I've been training, working on my legs, working on my stamina. And when the time has come, I will strike. I'm gonna strike with every with every ounce of force I got in my body. You know, I'm gonna find a way to beat them. I'm gonna find a way to break them. I'm gonna find a way to come out on top. That's just how I look at it. You know. Right. Well, see, Wait, go ahead. I, that's when we we look at our our roads differently. You have a mountain you need to conquer. You've always. And, and you, you've always been this way uh, when it comes to that night that you feel like, you know, Fury took your career away. And that's, that's something that is personal to you. To me, it, it's like I, this, man. I like, I like to say this, okay? I've heard, you know, I've, I've watched the Smoke and Fill Sessions. I hear what Brahart talks about Goldberg. I know Steve Austin. I know Bruce Pritchard. Like I was saying, listen, this is not ballet. Accidents are going to happen, okay? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between me taking a DDT outside the ring and I get my head split wide open. There's a difference to mean I'm taking a hip toss and I land on my shoulder, I dislocate my shoulder. There's a difference if I'm trying to close line, Damien's sick, and this other guy tries to roll in between us, my knee catches him in the ear, he gets an accident. Accidents are going to happen in the ring, Okay. But as far as you taking an object and you full-fledged, full-force hit me intentionally, you know, I mean, that's different. He took it upon himself to purposely hurt me, hurt me bad, too, laid me out, you know, for a long time with severe concussion. You know, th- th- there's always a difference. I know when you step in the ring, you know, it's not ballet. You're going to get hurt. You take a rest every time you step in the ring, you're going to get hurt. I made a mistake because I'm thinking the man's going to be a professional and respectful. We're going to go out there, have a good match. And at 10, he does the exact opposite of what we agreed to. It may attempt to bury you, make you look like a fool. And then he took it upon himself uh, to crack my skull because he didn't want to get embarrassed in front of a, a promoter who plays with dildos. And I mean this literally. The man's going to have dildo out of chunks one night in a wrestling match and hits him over the head with it. I mean, good God, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, but you know, that's, that's, that's Christian theory. I do business very, very differently. You know, when people talk about, you know, I was on safe to work with an AWF because I might quote unquote black out. This guy has an ego urge. And he took upon himself to swing as hard as he did. Hit me in the skull, you know? But yeah, that's, that's how I look at it though. You know, I don't want to get detour son, you know, away from him. I'm going to go right at him, Chris. I'm gonna go right at him. I'm gonna I'm gonna run right through him. You know the, the, the difference is this time my guard is up, my focus is on. You know, survivor pain is gonna get rebirthed, and I'm gonna make my impact. I'm gonna make myself well known in wrestling. 
I'm not going to be the guy that I take it laid out anymore. I'm in the best shape of my life right now, and I'm going to continue to get stronger, bro. And I'm hoping one day to see you back in the ring, Chris. You know, I've often said it, man. You've got untapped talent. I, I know you don't want to hear me say it. You know, you want to hear other people say it. But I'm telling you, from the moment I saw you, the charisma, the talent that you got, you can hang with anybody in the ring, man. Ain't nobody can on a microphone. <laughs> ain't nobody can touch you. I haven't seen nobody be able to do it yet. Be able to do it yet. If your mommy's telling me that. Well, I mean, uh, I, and I appreciate that. And it, it's not that I don't want to hear it from you. I mean, I hear it from you. And it's I've heard it from others. You know? Yeah, I heard it from other people as well. And who's to say that, um, you know, behind closed doors, I'm not working on that. Uh, return but you know that's for you know my knowledge and with that if and when that time does come and i break it to the world that you know that one will be a shocker but there'll be other news behind that shocker that'll shock even more because if i play in a return it isn't just me returning it's going to be bigger than me but i believe it at that <laughs> I, but, I look for it to happen. I want it to happen. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. you know, I mean, we was on Facebook the other day. I saw some of the promos you were posting. I know about the epic possible could have been an epic challenge between Christopher Dickens and the Professor David Yell. We all know it'd be known as Caleb Kitchens. If Caleb Kitchens would have one more match left in him, if Chris Dickens have one more match left in him. I really do believe you you guys would really tear the house down. I mean, talk about the clash of intelligence, the clash of promos, and the class, the clash of classic wrestling that would take place in that match, though, you know? To me, that's a fantasy booking that should have happened years ago, but unfortunately, it didn't. But if, you were to come back, you were, if you were to come back, I would be that guy campaigning protesting to, for, one, for some promoter in the CSRA to make that match happen. Man. On a personal level, I know I'd pay to see it. Yeah, and a lot of people would uh, pay to see it. Uh, if it isn't to you know, see someone shut up Caleb Kitchens, it would be to shut me up as well. Or, or just for us both to be shut up in general. I think some of the top promoters in the CSRA would pay just to go watch it. (laughs) They'd probably all come together like, guys, we got to make this happen. Somehow make this happen. Who's going to house it? I just want them to to shut up. (laughs) So, um, but no, um, you know, like you said, your your redemption story, uh, your recovery goes through Christian Fury. If I was to go with mine, it's a different route. It's a different perspective. It's a, a different way for me to have to go. And because I have a lot of things that have to be redeemed. Um, not necessarily fully in my career uh, in ring, but um, as well as, you know, the, we talk promoters, the promoting aspect of it. Um, I'd want a redemption of that as well. I feel like that that was also robbed way too soon. So, it's a, it's a lot of variables on mine. In your professional opinion, why do you think that? Why do you think you were robbed as far as our promoter aspect? 
the AWF, the Adrenaline Wrestling Foundation, shut down sooner than it needed to. It didn't close in the proper way. And um, I just look, just look at what I was posting recently. Um, I went back and found the promotional videos for the end of day storyline that we were working on um, to officially close AWF the right way um, with this kick-ass storyline that, you know, just hatched in my mind oh, one night while looking at old videos. And it garnered so much attention that we had Kicks 99 ready to come out and cover it. Um, we had so many people buzzing about it that we had everybody knocking on the door wanting to be a part of it. It was, why do you it was, it wasn't, but why do you think it wasn't properly executed? You're talking about, you're talking about the end of day storyline, right? Yeah. The problem I had with the end of day storyline, we were already working in motion and somebody else come in and want to change the storyline and correct me if I'm wrong, boss. I could have sworn you were going to go along with him. I mean, the other guy was like, no, nah, dude, we need to stick to this to, to this angle, you know, to the end of day storyline. It was becoming popular, but in, 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 in the middle of a match, somebody else wanted to go in a different direction, and I felt like you supported that cause. I'm talking about when James Houston had an idea, and he wanted to go in a different direction, you know, you kind of supported that cause. So I'm kind of confused when you say a lot of people wanted to jump on that idea, but I'm not part right there. I, I don't know. Granted, my memory could be way off the base here. I could I could hit it way out of left field, went foul. I don't know, Bill. That didn't happen that way. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Set the record straight. What what really did happen? Forget I'm gonna be real. Um, that was so long because the end of day story was something we come up with back in 2012. Yeah. Um, and we were going to go ahead and wrap things up then. I don't remember what exactly happened to where we didn't finish the story out. I do know that AWS continued past that point. Um, and I do remember that I walked away. So I walked away for a while, and I know you walked away for a while. And we didn't. But we um, came back in 14, and we started in a new direction. That's when we came back. Um, and we were on a, and the reason I say we were robbed of the ending that we wanted to do, um, when we came back and we had this new fire, this new passion, this new drive, we had new talent being trained. Um, we had a plan. We had AWF TV. Uh, we had everything rolling in the right direction, and we were gaining attention like crazy. I mean, we were we were getting bigger than what we did with the end of day story. We had Flatline Pro looking at us. We had, uh, you know, different people coming in saying, hey, I want to be a part of this. Hey, I want to see this. We had fans like crazy. The the night of the Iron Man match with uh, Justin Chambers, J.C. the Georgia Boy, whatever you want to call him, versus uh, Caleb Stovall was one of the uh, biggest crowd reactions uh, that I ever heard for anybody that was brand new. Uh, everybody was behind it. You were behind it. I was behind it. We all got behind that match because it was refreshing. It was, you know, intense. It was great. Um, everything we did uh, all the way through the end of the year was phenomenal. Um, and then we hit the roadblock. We hit the standstill. And then it was like, we're done. So 
would I say we were robbed of of the ending that we were looking for with AWF? Uh, that's what I mean. Um, not with the end of day story. The end of day story was a great ending that we could have always went back to. If if to say that you know, hey, we want to end it in a, on our own terms, we had that story that was sitting there that we never fully utilized that we pretty much dropped at the beginning of uh, its um, incarnation, and nobody barely remembers anything but the promo videos from them, which to this day stand the test of time and can still be utilized. Um, but we never had the chance to close out AWS chapter. Uh, it just ended. The last show we ever did, we were told, uh, we had to stop it because apparently after how many years of being out there, almost a decade of being out in Harlem, cops come out and say, shut it down. Yeah, I call it bullshit, but... I call it bullshit. Know, Not, I would tell Matt Spirit, man, who didn't wear a mask with face, that that's bullshit. Me being a cop myself, if you get a noise disturbance, you're pulling up to a place, you see all the lights in the back or the big crowds in the back, you would have went back there and come out there and investigated. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. They didn't see anybody pull up. That's just me. I've, I've always often believed that I was a ploy. Just my personal opinion. Yeah, but that's what it is. That's what I... You didn't want to stay... You know, we didn't need to be there. I mean, granted, it's, it's here or there. It's in the past. You can't go back and change it. It's over and exactly. done with. You know, but I, I've always felt like we was robbed because of the piss-poor communication towards the end. You know, the man should have been honest with us instead of lying to us. And, me, and I agree. That was, that was always a big, my biggest thing. I mean, granted, yeah, we could all take some kind of blame on the downfall of the AWF, but toward the end, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm going to call it like I see it. You know, if the man was honest with us, a lot of stuff could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. And and the thing about it is, is you know, I, like I say, I, I've been going down a road of uh, reminiscing, so to speak. You you talk about my Facebook post, and I've posted promos. I posted the AWF AMP intro video package. Um, which I consider one of my best intro video packages uh, when it comes to the wrestling business. So everything else is just uh, flashy graphic and some music and then go right into it. This was a this was an intro to what was supposed to be a weekly program. Um, and, you know, I posted the AWF logo a few months ago and asked people, what does this mean to you? And... I don't even remember how many responses there was. It was a lot. It was overwhelming. Um, a question that a guy who's kind of been in business for a couple of years um, on a production side of things, and yeah, he tried ringing Nelson as well as trying to handle production. He flat out says that your so-called editing, which in his eyes he, he doesn't call it editing. I don't know what he calls it, but he doesn't call it editing. He basically pisses on your work, man. He's the only person I've ever heard. And I do mean, when I mean people, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm going to shoot the names out to you. Wiggins, Parker, Charlie, Johnson, okay, Maine, okay, uh, 
Uh, what's that son of a bitch piece of shit's name? Oh, come on. What's that motherfucker? That meth head motherfucker who thinks he knows about wrestling. You met Mr. Mr. No Show. What's his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest ring ride in wrestling. Dale Sherrill. Even him. The Jim one Gag. that got arrested for uh, drug uh, distribution and stealing someone's car with intent to sell. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the convict. His, his, his bright future in wrestling in the prison cell, right? And I'll, I'll, talk, I'll mention Timothy Blackman's name. Okay. Um, even Oz Knight, another promotion down south of Georgia. These guys, okay, very big in the business. At one point or another, okay, called you and wanted your work. Even me, okay, wanted your work. Wanted to pay, wanted to pay you money, asked for your advice, asking you to do this, asking you to do that. Hell, even UCW, Don Brown, same thing. You know. Mm-hmm. Wanted to use your editing editing skills for not just making wrestling posters and wrestling shirts, but videos, documentaries, promo videos, help edit their shows and everything. Your talent was recognized as some of the biggest names in the CSRA, okay? But this mm-hmm. guy who claims he shows your work to other people, he didn't say any names, just bring the people that came into his store, and they all said, it's crap, it's shit. It ain't fucking editing. It ain't worth a damn freaking dime, and you won't make no fucking money. Your editing sucks. You know? Well, the two years when the ball was given to him, and he had the opportunity to show it to everybody, he didn't see anything. My opinion, he didn't see anything. I mean, I'm not trying to knock the man, but at, you know, at the same time, he trash talks you in the wrestling business, tells me that you ain't freaking shit, your editing sucks, and he can blow you out of the picture with all he can do and cause you a freaking liar on every little thing that you try to come up with dealing with. I, I, I don't know what hell he did his day. I don't understand what he's talking about. I, I really want your thought process because a lot of people said you had the ability to take shit and turn it to gold. You know, you had some of the best editing I've ever seen, best music videos I've ever seen in wrestling. And like you said, one of the best intros you've created was some of your best work. And people did acknowledge it. People did acknowledge AWF. A big following of AWF. Even some says bring it back. Some says book it. You know what I'm saying? And this guy says, ain't nobody gave two shits about AWF, period. Okay, Chris, this is your floor. Later, and I, know exactly, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, and it's funny uh, that you bring up his name. You didn't bring up his name, but he was the... I'll go ahead uh, and say it. This man says that he's going to be on the show soon. The show will be entitled Production Nightmares. But this man says the wrestling business, and his experience in the wrestling business, he said it is a fraud, it is a fake, and it's a bunch of middle-aged men with mental health issues. Okay. All right, Chris. The floor, the floor is open. Well, I mean, this man was abused as a child by his father, so yeah, that's technically the truth. <laughs> but um, you're, you're talking about Alan Luke, uh, who um, in AWF had the ring name of Shadow, and the end of day storyline revolved around the Book of Shadow. Um, and uh, the Brotherhood of Shadow which was uh, basically a cult that formed over the writings of Alan Luke, who foresaw the end of AWF, uh, that the creators would be the destroyers. 
which was originally in storyline fashion, supposed to be me and Jay who destroy AWF. And then you were supposed to be the one to walk in and be like, I am one of the original creators. Remember, I formed um, Brawl for All Championship Wrestling into AWF, so technically I was one of the creators and I'm going to be the destroyer. And that was the storyline. Um, but to, to, to go back to him talking about my work and um, how it was crap and it wouldn't make a dime and he could blow me out of the water and, you know, blah, 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 and showing me all this fancy equipment he bought and I want this, I want that. He's part of the reason um, Touch My Bass Productions you know, went null and void for a while, and then TMB Studios reemerged, and, and you know now we're just we're TMB uh, because everything falls under one roof, everything falls under one category. TMB is entertainment, as you said it, and I like that, and we're going to start utilizing that. TMB is entertainment. Um, but looking at what he did with ECW, looking at what he did with Livewire, um, and just, you know, with uh, Deathlock Productions in general, um, yeah, I'm still to a sense, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't hate the man. We, we've had our differences, we've had our... I don't, I don't hate the man. I have some disagreements, but I don't hate the man. I love the guy. I consider him a friend. I consider him a brother. We've had some disagreements about the wrestling business, but yeah, let me that point very, very clear. I, I don't hate the guy, you know, but I know he has not been a fan of your work. He's the only person, only person I know of personally that has not been a fan of your work. Yeah, and and here's the thing: even you brought up Daniel Maine. Daniel Maine sits there and tells you all day long. Mine and his editing and production styles are completely different, but we were able to coincide and work together, and we brought out the pulse uh, with Flatline Pro. His combination and my combination worked together seamlessly. Um, when it comes down to the wrestling business, I have more of an insight on what's going on in the business. I can look at a person and I can tell what they're capable of, what they can do, what they can't do. I can also look at something and, and know right away how I'm going to promote it, which way I want to promote it, what song's going to work best with it, and how things need to be stacked up to promote it in a way that people are going to pay attention. When I walked into UCW, they had none of that, and I was brought in by Alan Luke to do that. Um, to, to help with production, to be his right-hand man, so to speak. I was his partner. I was his 50-50. That's the part time. I have a hard time understanding. Was TNB partners with Delphi? Did you guys have an equal, equal, you know, something? I, I try to understand, because here I am, you know, I'm a proud member of, you know, I consider myself, me and you partners when it comes to the shootout, okay? And here I am, you know, says, hey, all the wrestling fans here in Girltown, Georgia, if you want to hit a wrestling shootout, be sure to tune in to TNB Productions. You know, TNB is host sponsoring UCW. And when he heard that, he called me, Will you stop mentioning TNB on UCW? This is Deflock. Well, I thought TNB is about working together. No, the fuck, we ain't working together. Chris Dickens works for me. I'm like, okay. Here's thing. In your perspective, what I mean, because my understanding is he invites you over. 
Y'all had lunch. Then he shows you all his production equipment. Then he tells you he wants, you know, cauldron talk. He wants the shootout. And he wants Stovall's wrestling, wrestling show. Stovall's wrestling network show. You know, and you're almost freaking folded. You're almost got all upset. But he said he claims he needed you. Wanted you to work for him. And then when you started doing the, what was the Unhinged show? Mm-hmm. Or UCW? Then all of a sudden, it's almost like you were campaigning to Don Brown, the owner of UCW, that who should be handling production, him or you, on the few shows where Alan couldn't be there. When he gets back, he finds out you were trying to campaign and try to, once again, prove your editing was superior to his. I'm, I'm trying to understand this whole whole process, you know. What was the agreement between Chris Dickens and Alan Luke between Deathlock Productions and TNB Productions or TNB Studios, whichever I think it was TNB Productions at the time. What was the agreement at all? I mean, I don't know. Because like I said, obviously I was told I was misinformed. So set the record straight for the audience. Let's clear the air. Clear the air. Clear the air. So originally, I never wanted anything to do with UCW. I never wanted to go in there and do anything. I I never wanted to. Straight. Neither did Bill freaking Blanchard wanted nothing to do with UCW before I went there to help commentate it. You convinced exactly. me to come, did you? Yep. So um, I had Alan campaigning for me to be a part of UCW. He said, I need someone to help run production, uh, to, you know, to run video and to run music and to uh, help out with editing here and there when it comes to UCW because he said, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's just we're clearing the air here. Is it true that Mask Fury, although he didn't, he, he, he didn't wear a mask, tell you or tell Alan that when Alan's trying to campaign for Christopher Dickens, because there's still heat between you and Jay over AWF, did Mask Fury, the man who didn't wear a mask, tell Alan Luke, if you want Chris Dickens at UCW, you will be personally responsible for him. You're responsible with him. You deal with Chris. Me and Don ain't dealing with him. And Alan says, okay. I wasn't there. Is that true? Because we're setting that a record. Is, that is true. Okay. That is we're true. Clarify that. You, you were Alan responsible for you. Okay, continue. Okay. So, when yeah. that happened, when that happened, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm testifying today. Go ahead. <laughs> when, when that happened, he, he called me. He said, just come in, take a look around, and just, you know, be there to see what's going on and then make your decision. Right. Said, okay. Right. So I came to that show. I walked in the door. And um, I, I don't remember if. I think I did convince you to come in with me that night, my first night. Um, yes, you're probably right. Yeah, you you came in, and um, that was the night I convinced you to you come in and just kind of... No, it wasn't that night. My first night I came in... Uh, no, you were there that night. That's right. Because... Uh, I came in and you came in and we wasn't planning on doing a damn thing. 
we were just going to sit there. And um, I think we went upstairs, and I remember seeing everybody, and CJ wanted me to ref the match. Um, and I was just watching, but they finally agreed to it. And I walked around and, you know, just kind of looked around and kind of got a feel for things again. It's kind of like, what am I doing here? I said I wasn't coming back to wrestling. I said I wasn't going to have a damn thing to do with UCW. Here I am. I'm getting ready to wrestle main event, um, you know, for a friend who, who wished that I could do it for him. And then you agreed to get on commentary. Yeah. And... I remember Alan sitting there, and we were we were talking production, um, what what he needed to do, and he had these cheap Chinese video cameras that whenever you would take the footage and put it on the computer, it would run and skip, and you couldn't be squat with it. It was missing parts, uh, things were sped up, things would slow down, and it was garbage footage. And I remember after the uh, initial, uh, the main event, when my music played first, and I walked out and I looked at you and I said, nobody knows who I am. I could have just, you know, like you introduced me, and I said, nobody knows who I am. They don't give a shit about me, and everybody booed me, and you were, oh, they remember you, boss. Oh, and yeah. I remember that being the game changer. And I remember that something in my head clicked and all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm here doing production with Deathlock, which is, you know, Alan told me you guys and come up with the name and that's what the name was. It was Deathlock Productions. And I was like, okay, well, the production is in-house. You know, um, he wants to produce a YouTube show He's got to have the cameras, but I'm looking and there's barely a crowd. Uh, there's no promotion whatsoever. All there is is a flyer that's piss poor done. And no offense to the people who were doing the flyers at the time. I think it was Don that was just doing the flyers, but the, pr- the promotion of UCW was lackluster at best. And there was nothing going online. There was nothing helping to promote it. And I remember going to you and saying, hey, uh, you want to do commentary on a, on a regular basis for UCW? You'll be working with TMD. Um, that was me. No, I said, nope, I'm not working for Don or Jack. I did it at one time as a favor for you because you kept trying to explain to me, I work for you, I'm working for TMB, and I'm not working for UCW. So you took that yeah. TMB was running production. Okay, I got you. Okay. So here's the, here's the way that was playing out. I never considered commentary part of production with uh, UCW. I, okay. What, okay. I, what I considered commentary was is a part of the show, a part of the process. What I consider production with UCW is the lights, the cameras, the music, the overall... Uh, feel of the show uh, as far as it's visually and um, audio, what, what it looks like, what it sounds like. Uh, and I know someone would probably out there be like, dumb motherfucker, uh, that's also commentary. Um, 
in a sense, UCW and Deathlock already had a commentator in Blake Collins. Uh, all I did was, I know a guy who knows wrestling better than anybody out there. Hey, here's Bill Blanchard from TMB, uh, from Touch My Bass Productions, who runs the wrestling shootout now on commentary. So when I said you were working to touch my bass, I meant it. Because at that point in time, there was no real good promotion going on for UCW, and that's when I came up with the idea of filming uh, with my with my own equipment and producing UCW Unhinged as a way to promote UCW until Alan got the right cameras in place. Because he'd already talked about getting these cameras and having a camera system set up to where he could switch between cameras and between action shots any time he chose and have all that video render out and record at once, which is great. That That's perfect. But with that piece, you need to have a promotional piece because that's just a show in and of itself. That's like tuning in to watch Monday Night Raw without any commercials for SmackDown or for the pay-per-view. What do you get from that? You get WWF Superstars back in 1982. Right? If you were watching WWF back in the 80s, there was very little promotion for anything coming up, correct? That's correct. Okay. So you basically just tuned in to watch the wrestling action. But as time progressed and, you know, you had big events and you had title defenses and stuff like that, you have to have somehow to promote it. So if you wanted to promote your next show, well, of course you promote it in-house and talk about it. But at the same time, there was no video feed that was going on live inside the arena where people could see promotions like with Flatline Pro or Viral Pro. Um, so they had no way of knowing what was going on backstage. They had no way of furthering storylines. And that's something I wanted to provide. I would show clips of the action and I would do backstage promos to further the action. Through UCW Unhinged, we learned about um, Justin Chambers and Jeremy Cruz forming a tag team. Through UCW Unhinged, we found out exactly why darkness returned to pro wrestling. And through UCW Unhinged, we furthered along the storyline arc of Dead Reckoning and uh, you know other aspects that UCW had going on. And... Your voice, along with Blake, helped carry that on. So, in a sense, instead of, you know, Deathlock just being the sole priority, it wasn't a partnership per se. It was more of, hey, I have these resources, Deathlock's channeling production in-house. Why don't I lend some credence to it and some credibility and let Touch My Bass you know, also help in a sense. That's why you see W on him came in. That's why I asked you to come on board. 